Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello there, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kincaid. The stories on the podcast are produced by Skyboat Road Company, Inc., which is spearheaded by the Audi and Grammy award-winning narrator Stefan Rudnicki, and that's in association with Jim Freund. So let's roll with this week's story. Our next offering for the March issue is Let's Take This Viral by Rich Larson. The story's read for you by Paul Bamer. Rich Larson was born in West Africa, has studied in Rhode Island, and at 20 now lives in Edmonton, Alberta where he was a recent semi-finalist for the Norman Mailer Poetry Prize and recipient of the 2012 Ranu Fund for Writers of Speculative Fiction. In 2011, his novel Devolution was a finalist for the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. His short work and poetry have since appeared in Word Riot, Kill Author, Bartleby Snopes, Monkey Bicycle, Prick of the Spindle, AE, the Canadian Science Fiction Review, DSF, and many others, including the anthologies Here Be Monsters and Future Days, an anthology of young adult science fiction. He reads for the Adroit Journal. His self-published work can be found at Amazon.com slash author slash Rich Larson. And that does it for this week's intro. So without further ado, let's make the jump to light speed. Let's take this viral. Written by Rich Larson. Narrated by Paul Bamer. Default hadn't been down in the nocturnes for some time, probably half an orbit. But he had just dissolved the gene share contract with his now ex-lover and needed to get completely fucking perforated to take his mind off things. His lift was full of revelers, all laughing and widecasting the same synthesized whale song from Old, Old Earth. Ancient, aquatic groans were currently vogue, so Default grudgingly let his oral implants synchronize to it. The lift plunged down the station's magnetic spine and into artificial night. The nocturnes were always dark, but never sleeping. Red splashes of hologram and crude argon signs bloomed in the void below Default's feet, and the other passengers pumped their fists in excitement, exchanging surgically widened smiles. Default was sort of wishing he'd updated his tattoos. Everyone else had checkerboard swatches on. Worse, it seemed like he was the only unit not nursing a cosmetic virus. He watched a pretty femme succumb to a sneezing fit, spraying mucus to applause and live-feed shares, and sullenly bioscanned his own immune system untouched and utterly boring. Default triple-checked to be sure Shore was still meeting him. Shore had been his most staticky friend for as long as he remembered. He'd have him party-synced in no time. When the dilating doors spilled him out on Main Street, Default resisted cranking up the brightness in his optic implants, 
To do the nocturnes right, you had to do them dark. Flyby lights poured grainy orange on the street, still wet from a pheromone-laced rain shower. Swirling neon advertisements tugged his gaze in all directions, icy blues, radiation yellows. If it wasn't for the socialite tag, Default wouldn't have even recognized Shore upon arrival. For one thing, Shore had changed sex, and was now very much a femme, and an attractive one to boot. She was fashionably naked apart from a flock of flutter droids that swathed her skin in shifting patterns. Default saw a tentative follow-cam bobbing along in her wake and realized that Shore had been one busy unit. He could feel his social stock skyrocketing just from being in her proximity. Default, you steady satellite, Shore said aloud, chatting it simultaneously. How long has it been? What have you been doing up there with the serious folk? She embraced him, and the flutter droids whirred around them like a cloak. Half an orbit? Default grinned weakly. Longer. Last time I saw you, you, ah, uh, trying new things, Shore said, languid. She raised one pale arm, and Default saw something bumpy and pink underneath it. Before he could remark, her fingers had encircled his wrist, and she was tugging him into the crush, skin sliding on skin, static starching his hair. Default tried to enjoy the sensations. In a hurry? he asked. Slipping the cam, Shore said, wagging a hand back toward the spherical cyclops. It was drifting over the crowd, trying to pinpoint them. Bit of privacy is better for where we're heading. Default craned his neck. The cam carved a dancing red laser light through the throng of revelers. Shore started to run, and Default, fixing the grin to his face, followed. They pelted through the neon-swatched streets, and Default felt lactic acids licking muscles that hadn't burned in ages. They dashed down a row of flashing dream machines, in and then out of a slick-floored purging booth, past flesh facts, vending extra limbs. Shore's laugh danced ahead of them like phantom code. Default's lungs were tight by the time they slipped into a dopamine bar, but it was a good feeling. Shore shed her flutter droid swarm at the door and, gauging the dress code, Default pulled off his thermal, but kept his foot wraps. They made their way to the bar, still laughing, and it wasn't until they were seated with the plastic plugs snaking into their brain stems that Shore asked about Mimi, about the breakup. Default exhaled long. She joined a fucking poly mind, he said, right after things ended. She uploaded to one of those poly mind probes so she can spend the next few centuries chasing comets and contemplating entropy. That's a crippler, Shore remarked. A lopsided frown made her look exactly like his old self for a moment. But you'll find someone else, she said. You always do. I do, Default admitted. Shore shivered as the next chemical wave hit them, one arm trailing over her head. Default saw the bubbling pink protrusions again, and more he hadn't noticed, 
spreading across her collarbone, up her neck. He remembered, through the dopamine mist, that he'd meant to ask about it. He pointed his chin. What's this, then? This? Shore smiled, and Default knew she'd been waiting for the question. Just a little virus. She leaned forward. Conspiratorial. You know how cosmetic viruses are the big spit now, yeah? Everyone's got one. Everyone's synced, anyway. I noticed, Default said. Thanks. Well, there's this unit down here who makes the absolute rawest bugs, Shore continued. He does viral, bacterial, everything. His stuff is going to go absolute nova. It's really only a matter of time. She traced the shiny pink bumps with pride, then looked up slyly. Do you want to meet him? Default thought of thumping underground scenes, a meteoric rise in social stock, roaming the nocturnes with shore, nursing matching infections, and, for just an instant, holding her clammy hand in his own, and exchanging chapped smiles. What's he called? Default asked. He has a slew of tags, Shore said. Lately, most commonly, people call him the Plague Man. She tugged the dopamine plug free with a soft plop and let it retract back into the bar. He's waiting for us in the basement. Still reeling from the dopamine, they threaded their way to the back of the bar and down a concrete gullet. Shore stroked them past a touch-door, and Default found himself blinking as his optic implants recalibrated. The lights were bright and antiseptic white. A sort of bubble fab had been grown, still fresh enough to stick underfoot, and its membrane formed crude walls and a ceiling. Default saw red tubes snaked behind frosty glass, a mix-and-match gene kit hijacked from some fun lab, a small thinker core that couldn't be holding more than a semi-sentient A.I. Plague Man? Shore's breath was a crystallized cloud. Where are you? Hold on, came a distorted voice. Someone in a work suit ducked out from behind a row of growth tubes and set down a spindly instrument. Is this Default, then? Good night. Good night, Default returned, giving a polite fist bump. The plague man pulled off his cowl. Default saw a weave of red muscle over gray bone, packed yellow in the cheek, lids with no lashes. Flaying was occasionally chic. Every few orbits, denizens enjoyed replacing tiny swaths of moisture-treated skin with transparent polysilicate. But Default had never seen it done to this extent. Got sick of it one day, the unit explained, seeing the curiosity. Decided it all had to go. It's potent, Default assured him. Shore slung an arm around the plague man's shoulders. Maybe a little gauche, she said, and Default resisted the urge to run a quick pheromone scan to determine if the two of them were fucking. Shore would probably detect it, and then she would wonder why he was scanning her, and Default wouldn't have a good reason. I've never seen this one, Default said, instead, nodding to Shore's infection. Custom? It's a recreation, actually, the plague man said, smiling liplessly. 
the mild parks, something from old, old earth. Retrovirus, Shore joked. Not droll, Default chatted her. She stuck out her tongue. The blisters should spread soon, the plague man said. It's a really eye-snatching effect. He looked up at Default. Want to try it before it goes open market? Default looked at the frozen virus samples. Memmi would have liked this. She hated most body mods. Not that it stopped her from uploading into that junky probe for a century of space sailing, fucking hypocrite. Absolutely, he said. Absolutely I do. The plague man beamed, teeth far whiter than the exposed sliver of his jawbone. Raw. Needle or oral? Default asked, now determined. That's the best part, Shore said. Our unit here makes real viruses, not those piddly things that die off an eye blink after you buy them. They're self-propagating. All you have to do is override your immunity buffer, the plague man finished. Default closed his eyes and reached as deep as he could into his hardware-wetware interface, down past the cobwebs, and he found the immunity buffer pulsing in a sequestered corner. As he went to shut it down, an archaic warning message in radioactive yellow scrolled the insides of his eyelids. Default overrode it. When he opened his eyes, Shore was in front of him, she breathed a long slink of steam into the chilled air and across his face. His nostrils twitched. Feel sick yet? she asked. Then chatted. It's a no pay, by the way. Thank me later. Not yet. It takes a little time, the plague man said. But you won't need a bioscan to know when it hits. Shore was tracing the pustules with admiring fingers and Default had to admit it looked potent. It was like her skin was strewn with tiny craters, like some ancient moon, and they glistened raw and wet in the bright light. Nova, Shore said. So, Nova. Thanks for the dish. I know he's going to love it. Default nodded. Yeah, thanks for the freebie, Plague Man. No issue, he said, pulling his cowl back up. When people ask, just remember who bugs synced you. I haven't worked in a signature yet. Come with us, Default offered, hoping for a negative. He didn't want to have to compete with a skinless unit who cooked amazing viruses. I'm working on a new bacterial, the plague man said, muffled again. Have fun. Get shattered. You're not supposed to work in the nocturnes, Shore teased. But she didn't look too upset as she turned back to Default. Time to party, she said with a grin. See if we can't wobble that steady fucking satellite of yours. They partied. Shore introduced him to a slew of units, some of whom he recognized by tag, and then the whole pack of them speed-tapped an amphetamine cocktail and took the free bus to an amphitheater. Shore was projecting her bioscan all over the inside of the bus, showing the spiky virus taking root in her body, and with a little prompting, Default threw his up beside hers. Everyone cheered when he found the first lump on his neck. She always finds the best shit, said a femme beside him, adjusting the static clip on her hair. 
He does, Default agreed, remembering about a hundred orbits worth of Shore's misadventures, unlicensed hull walks and clone fucking and all sorts of fun time. If they hadn't come out of the same birthing tank, Default was sure he never would have snagged Shore as a friend. Default was not Vogue, the way Shore was Vogue. Want to share? the femme asked, running a finger over his lips. Not usually, anyway. The amphitheater was wall to wall, like they'd all been poured in through the ceiling. More whale song, but Default didn't mind that now, not with his head shredded by amphetamine. The crowd was roiling around them, a raspy skin sea, and every touch felt electric. Shore was the center of the hurricane, but Default was still soaking up more hits than he ever had in his life, probes for his tag, probes about Shore's old sex, and always probes about the virus. They were clamoring. He found himself with the femme from the free bus, recognized her tag and her bright green eyes and the camber of her bare back. It was too loud for air talk, but she chatted him. I want your bug, handsome. The message came with a flesh flash of exactly how she wanted to contract it, and Default only thought of Mimi for a split second before they docked right there on heated floor. When the party was about to burst, they went to the next one. Shore chatted him. They wormed their way around the back through naked bodies, sweeping limbs, and they stumbled down the street to a fresh scene. Motion artists were doing a recreation of the five, wide-casting a link to the bird's-eye view, and with the drug singing in Default's veins, it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. Things blurred. They stopped at a dream machine, downloaded a hallucination that had them sprinting through alleyways to escape a swarm of blue and red tetragons. They ate sticky vat meat until their unprepped stomachs revolted, then vomited in a purging booth and staggered back for more. The A.I. vendor offered to grow them a cannibal special if they provided a bit of helix. Shore pretended to gnaw at Default's arm. Sitting on a curb, counting each other's pox. Trying to make two follow cams collide. Another party, this time underwater. Sleek monitor A.I.'s swam in lazy ribbons, and when Shore caught one by the tail, it bubbled emergency oxygen in beautiful wobbling streams. The nocturnes had no light cycles, but by the time they rented a bunk just off the main street, Default's internal clock told him it had been days. Shore was still bouncing from foot to foot, still party-synced. Default was exhausted. Wick, wick, run, Shore said, because she was saying wick now instead of raw. The latest of their companions were stumbling off into the dark. Default rubbed his eyes. Same pod? he asked. Don't we always? Shore's lopsided frown returned. Oh, would it remind you? It's fine, Default chatted, too tired to speak, and slipped inside the sleep pod. The gel rippled a moment later as Shore climbed in after him. It made Default remember a trip to the Nocturnes orbits and orbits ago for a five festival, 
collapsing, spent in a pod with shore beside him. There was only one difference. Why'd you change sex again? he chatted. Still trying to find something different, Shore replied. Her shrug sent vibrations. Is it? Shore shifted in the dark. Not so different, no. Still bored. Default slept. When he woke up, Default had a mass of updates sitting in his skull. Sleeping for a few days could easily take you out of the know, but it looked like Shore had charitably cut him into her own feed. There was no way he'd already made that many new friends. Ready to go? Shore asked. Default glanced over and realized that the pockmarks on her skin were slowly healing. He wondered what his own looked like. He crumbled through the updates and found an invitation from the plague man. Back to the basement? You scan my mind. He's been chatting me about something new. The pod gave them a send-off in the form of exfoliation and amphetamine injections, and then they were back in the street. It was dark and loud and wild, and as if they hadn't left it. Bands of revelers passed, and Default saw runny noses, puffy eyes, but more than anything, he saw shiny pink blisters. Shore was right. It was going Nova. How long have we been alive, Default? Shore asked, as they stepped onto a free bus. She had traded her now unvogue flutter droids for swirling fabric and spray-on, but her eyes were still ringed dark and seemed suddenly serious. What do you mean? I mean from the instant we were gene-mixed. Shore moved her finger in a slow arc. To this moment here on the free bus, how many orbits have elapsed between? I never calculated that, Default admitted. I did, Shore said. 692.3487 orbits. We're old. Stars are old. We're old, Shore said firmly. Then her face broke into a grin as the free bus passed a familiar vendor. That meat I'll buy. I'll vomit. Default said, glad the mood had passed. Deal, Shore said. Pox was over. Bacterial was in, preferably in both lungs. Default and Shore lay side by side while the plague man, who was now called Epi, injected them. They clasped clammy hands. You're going to feel this one, Epi promised. Really feel this one. It's like nothing else. And Epi was right. Before they even hit the next party, Default and Shore were coughing at each other and wheezing laughs between alcohol eye drops, suddenly short of breath. Default's ear canals felt permanently plugged and the world was surreal, almost soundless. They chatted instead of air talk for the whole duration. Default had never felt so curiously detached, so... floating. It was intoxicating. They stumbled through the streets in their own personal world, a soundless world where fever crept across their foreheads and every breath was dredged. Default gave it to a select few, sometimes with Shore's approval first, sometimes not. 
Only a small handful of femmes and sirs and newts rode the razor edge of the bacterial trend. Those without connections were left mimicking the effects, walking bent double and faking coughs between words. There were more bugs, and Shore wanted them all. At first, Default thought he was following, because he'd always followed Shore, because he'd never had social stock this high or fun time this exclusive. But no. There was something else drawing him to the bright white basement where Epi, now no skin, did his work. Default was breaking his body down so thoroughly, so deeply, that he knew himself in ways he never had before, in ways Memi never had either, but Memi was distant now, a dim thought on the periphery. Sometimes the infections hit so quickly, Default and Shore couldn't even leave the basement, they collapsed against each other, and no skin apologized, talking about reducing potency, but when they were entwined on the floor with entropy swimming their veins, they couldn't hear him, and didn't care. Sometimes they stayed there with no skin for days, on end, instead of spreading the word, spreading the vogue. But he seemed to enjoy their company. They shivered and groaned and reveled in pus from a new orifice, an interesting discoloration of the gums, a bone-deep ache. How did you learn to make these? Default chatted on one of these occasions, half inside a fever dream. They had their own closed web at this point, him and Shore, and the newly christened Bugright. The Bugright pulled down his cowl and shrugged. Practice unit, he said breath streaming. Practice in other places. Sure never told me you were a pilgrim, Default chatted. He glanced over to where Shore was lounging, eyes crusted. I'm not forthcoming with it, the bug right admitted. A lot of people don't like pilgrims. They like to just think their station is the only station, you know. I had an ex who always wanted to hop stations, Default chatted. You see a lot of things, the Bugright said. I've seen a lot of things. And all of them end. Tell him about the finale, Shore chatted. Default hadn't known she was lucid. When it's ready, the Bugright said. He pulled the cowl back up over his skinless face and returned to work. Time had passed. The nocturnes had changed. Every unit in the universe had a bug to show off, and bioscans were everywhere you looked, sprayed onto walls and tattooed onto skin, signature viruses, custom infections. The free bus had divvied into personal transportation pods for units who were no longer walking, and for those pretending they no longer could, the air was swimming with disease. We started this, you know, Shore said, How's that feel? You're not the steady satellite anymore. You're Nova. They were in a corner sup shop, squeezed into a booth that was doing its best to massage their back muscles. Default was burning off a mild fever, hair fashionably sweat-slicked. He didn't know what shore was running, probably something subtle. Discharge was getting too obvious, she thought. It feels good. Default said. Shore smiled and patted his face. 
Default caught her hand and held it there. But I've got a lift leaving soon. You want to go back topside? Shore asked, incredulous. Why? It's time, that's all, Default said. He judged his next words. I want you to come with me. I want to stay here. Shore tugged her hand back and pointed out the wide window. This is different, Unit. This is finely different. You've found things like this before, different things. But this is the last thing, Default. Shore looked hurt. The biggest thing. I was hoping you would do it with me. Do what? Default asked, heart thumping. They had been docking more often lately, less often with other people, and if she wanted a contract... Well, Default wanted one too. He felt Shore open up a private line. Do you remember the five? Of course he remembered the five. The memory was entrenched in every brain on the station. There was a hundred orbits worth of art, music, and gene shares dedicated to the five and their ill-fated hull walk, to the malfunction that let a micrometeorite slip through the station's detection system and plow five units into blood and carbon dust. What do you think happened to them? Shore asked. Default frowned, unsure where the conversation was headed. They ceased. What do you think it felt like? It's impossible to know that. Not impossible. Shore peeled back the sleeve of her thermal and raised her arm. Default saw something black and bubbling underneath. A different thing. Shore said in the air. A new thing. She looked sad. I thought maybe you meant something else. Default stared at the infection and remembered a conversation with the bugwright. Bubonic. Old, old earth. Fatal. Whatever that entailed. But I wanted it to be me and you, Default. Shore said haltingly. Her eyes roved all the way around the sup-shop, everywhere but him, then finally landed. Why? Default asked. Shore shrugged. She smiled. Because then you'd never have to find someone else. Their hands entangled, and as they kissed, Default dropped his immunity buffer all the way down to zero. Many others had missed Default. She, they, really had. The polymind probe had circled the edge of the galaxy, watched the decay of a red dwarf, catalogued a crude bacterial life form on a thawing moon. Many others had marveled at the vastness, the chaos. But she, they, had not forgotten the station, either. It was harder to relocate than expected, no longer buzzing with wave communication. Maybe something new had been developed. Some new frequency the outdated probe instruments could no longer detect. The probe docked and gave many others a troubling report. The station was empty. She, they, floated through the station like a ghost, jumping from monitor to monitor. The A.I.s were dormant, running only the most basic maintenance protocols. The lifts were stalled in their berths. 
the multi-houses were derelict. She, they, went down to the nocturnes. Nothing. The hollows danced on in the dark streets. Music was still re-looping and evolving, but the revelers had vanished. A lone auto-cleaner was still wandering, still shoving debris. And many others recognized the dull yellow of old bone only by the probe's logs. She, they, retreated to the station's main thinker, trying to make sense of it, trying to evaluate. One ship had left the station. Many others saw the trajectory like a laser, and she, they, directed the probe to follow it. She, they, slid through black space for a century, for two. The probe arrived at another station, this one slowly orbiting a double sun. Many others requested docking. No answer. The probe sailed on to the next station, and the next, and as desperation grew and then ebbed, there came a slow realization. She, they, had missed the party. Copyright 2013 by Rich Larson Rich Larson was born in West Africa, has studied in Rhode Island, and at 20 now lives in Edmonton, Alberta, where he was a recent semi-finalist for the Norman Mailer Poetry Prize and the recipient of the 2012 Ranu Fund for Writers of Speculative Fiction. In 2011, his novel, Devolution, was a finalist for the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. His short work and poetry have since appeared in Word Riot, Kill Author, Bartleby Snopes, Monkey Bicycle, Prick of the Spindle, A.E. The Canadian Science Fiction Review, DSF, and many others, including the anthologies Here Be Monsters and Future Days, an anthology of Y.A. science fiction. He reads for The Adroit Journal. His self-published work can be found at Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Rich Larson. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the tale. If so, and if you find the time, please go to our website at lightspeedmagazine.com and leave a comment. Just click on fiction, find this story, and then leave a comment there. Or if you'd like to help spread the word, go to iTunes, find the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast, and leave a review or rating there. And if you haven't already subscribed to Lightspeed Magazine, please take a moment to consider it and check out our many options at lightspeedmagazine.com slash subscribe. The stories are produced by Skyboat Road Company, Inc., which is spearheaded by the Audi and Grammy award-winning narrator Stefan Rudnicki and in association with Jim Freund. We also hope you'll check out Lightspeed Year One, a collection of audio stories from this podcast's first Hugo-nominated year. Look for it at audible.com. And that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Cheers from all of us at Lightspeed Magazine. Lightspeed. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.